All right, good morning. Okay, so um, my, the plan for next week, if the Lord wills, is to... I've never seen that. Look at that thing, thing, thing back there. Okay, well, anyway, if you need a cup of something, there's, it's right there for you. That can't be our usual policy. Okay. Um, okay, so... Um, off the rails, and I haven't said anything yet. Um, so next week, if the Lord allows, um, my plan is for us to go back to regular old Bible learning, and uh, we're going to pick up where we left off uh, back in the whatever back in the spring when we were going verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. So we're going to resume Way of Wisdom starting um, next week. But today we are finishing up Intentional. This is a series that's similar to other ones we've done. About once a year, we do a series for the purpose of reminding you of what we're here for, what the mission is, what is it that we're trying to accomplish. And so we try to um, remind you of that over and over again because it's so important. And so the mission of our church is to love God, to love each other, and to love people who don't know God yet. And that's kind of roughly been the outline that we've been following in this intentional series. Love God, love each other, love people who don't know God yet. And so we are now at the final week. And so we're at the love people who don't know God yet section of this series. And so we began it last week with a sermon that was called Evangelism A, Intentional Evangelism A. And that was somewhat of an ought-to sermon, right? It was that we ought to evangelize. We ought to tell people about Jesus. And the plan was to follow that up this week with a how-to sermon, right? That there may be some of you that go, well, yeah, I would actually like to share my faith with other people. I just wish someone would show me how, because I just imagine walking into a room and going, Hello, goodbye. Um, and so h- how do you do it? What's, and so don't you think, don't we need a how-to sermon? Do we need a how-to sermon on evangelism? I think we do too. And so I'm excited about that. And so I have um, brought in someone to do that. We have a guest speaker this morning. He is probably one of the best evangelists I know, if not the best evangelist that I know. Um, his name's Jeremy Richards. And I have gone with him um, to downtown Ocala area and shared the gospel with strangers there in the Ocala downtown square. We've done it down in the villages as well and gone around um, and talked to people there. I was at a pool party with him one time and there was a, we were there on the back porch of somebody's house and there was a guy who mentioned something. I think he just said a couple of positive things about Buddhism and Jeremy made a beeline over that guy and, and presented the gospel to him and I sat there and watched it happen and it was, it was beautiful. It was fantastic. So, um, so, um, I asked him if he would just come up here and share some of his secrets with you guys this morning. Um, you want to hear that? Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. So would you please give a rowdy, warm, good news church welcome to my friend Jeremy Richards. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mario. <laughs> Might be calling on you in a minute. <laughs> So yeah, this week is evangelism part B, how you can share the gospel in a practical way. Uh, And the biggest thing that I want to share with you is a method that anyone can use to share the gospel. Uh, It's not the only method for evangelism, but it is one that I have known for many years and I found it to be very effective. Uh, But before I tell you what the method is and walk you through it, I have a challenge for everybody this morning. Okay, we're going to put a number up on the board. It's a 32-digit number, 202019507041776130711055066125. Easy enough, right? So I'm going to have you guys memorize this in three minutes, and then I'm going to start calling on you randomly to say it back to me. No, I'm serious. Yeah, we're going to do this. But I don't want you to freak out. Um, some of you look pretty terrified right now. Uh, so... I didn't make up this uh, challenge. I actually, you might be saying, oh, of course you memorize it. You've had however long uh, to work on it. But I actually memorized this 
in three minutes. Um, this was part of a challenge at a leadership uh, seminar in the villages one time. So I wanted to share it with you. I'm going to walk you through a method, right? We're going to apply a method to this and see what happens. First thing we're going to do is we're going to break it up into two parts, and then into separate sections, and then into smaller parts, and then I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and the numbers are the answers, all right? You'll see what I mean, but I, I need, like, you have to respond to this. So when I ask you the questions, all right, they're real, they're pretty easy questions. So this should be real easy. What year was last year? Yeah, can't forget that. Uh, what was the year before that? Right, 19. How many states are there? All right. All right, when was our country founded? July 4th, 1776, you get it? 07-04-1776. How many colonies were there at the time? 13, all right, now it gets a little tricky. How many 7-Elevens were there at the time? Yeah, there were zero 7-Elevens. How many people got pulled over for going 55 miles an hour? Like, nobody, yeah, they didn't have speed limits. Um, and today, how many 66-year-olds would pay $12.25 for a gallon of gas? Zero 66-year-olds would pay $12.25 for a tank of gas. Or, well, for a tank of gas, you would. For a gallon of gas, you wouldn't. All right, you got it? All right, we're going to go through it again. What year was last year? What was the year before that? How many states? When was our country founded? Zero seven, zero four. Yeah, good enough. <laughs> How many colonies? Okay. How many 7-Elevens? All right. How many people got pulled over for going 55? Zero. Right. And how many 66-year-olds would pay $12.25 for a gallon of gas? Zero. 25 cents. All right. Yeah, I think you got it. Okay. So let's remove it from the board. Remove the number. All right. And let's go through it again. What year was last year? What was the year before that? How many states? Country founded? That was a lot better. Uh, how many colonies? 7-Elevens? Speed limit? <laughs> right. How many 66-year-olds? And how much for gas? All right. Who thinks they've got it now? Oh, I have, one, I have two volunteers. All right. Graham, give it a shot. Very nice. Very nice. I had one over here, too. You want to give it a shot? Okay. Um, 2020, 1750, 0704, 1774. Six. Uh, 76. <laughs> they were probably working on it. <laughs> All right. Colonies. The co colonies? There you go. Yeah, very good. All right. How about we get one other person? I'm going to pick this time. Um, who's wearing a really brightly colored shirt? That's usually the easiest. <laughs> no, no? Not the guy with the yellow tie? <laughs> Let's see the middle. How about, how about somebody, uh, yeah, somebody in the middle. Somebody, good, good idea. Um, how about somebody in the front right here? You, sir, in the Huck shirt. You want to give it a shot? Do your best. I'll help you. 2019. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
0704, yep. Twelve twenty-five. Twelve twenty-five. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So that didn't take you very long. Um, you might be thinking about that later. Uh, that's okay. So when we talk about being intentional and in sharing the gospel, we have to consider what kinds of things can keep us from sharing our faith regularly. Um, fear, lack of confidence, um, not knowing the gospel clearly enough uh, in order to put it into words. And the good news is, is that all of those are overcomable. Right, even fear. After all, by raise of hands, how many of you find that you have been too afraid to share the gospel at some point or another? You're afraid to approach somebody, whether it's a stranger, coworker, family member, quite a few people, right? Um, getting over fear can be as complex as practice and experience over time, learning to answer difficult questions, and we should be doing that. But it can also be as simple as perspective. Uh, for instance, if Good News Church was to give you $1,000 for every person that you shared the gospel with... <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> right? How many of you would pay off your house by the end of the week? <laughs> if you're being honest, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand, but I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> right? And so um, that at least lets us see that it is possible to overcome our fear, right? We just need to get you over the fear um, for the sake of loving others who don't know God yet, right? So, um, and love is key to that. Perfect love drives out fear, and methods can help. All right. Um, every time I've taught this, though, we have had a few questions about whether it's okay to use a method. So I want to cover that. What I want to cover this morning, if we put it up on the board. Yep. What is a method exactly? We're going to define it. I'm going to remind you that you already use methods all the time already. Um, God uses methods. Jesus uses methods. They're in the Old and New Testament. And it's biblical for us to use them for our mission. And then I'm going to end by walking you through a method called the way of the master. You ready? All right. So what is a method? I looked up several definitions, and uh, systematic procedure, technique, or mode of inquiry, a systematic plan followed in presenting material for instruction, a way, technique, or process for doing something, a body of skills or techniques. And I kind of summarized these, because I'm not going to put that up there every time we have to talk about our definition. I summarized it as, a method is a way of doing or presenting something, often using specific techniques and steps of action. So that's the definition we're going to use as we go forward. Now, I said that uh, I wanted to remind you that we use methods every day. Right? I'll give you an example. Recipe card. Stopped by Publix the other day, and I picked this off the shelf, and I thought, I do not know how to make Asian barbecue pork chops. So you can pick up a recipe card, and on the back it's got ingredients, steps, other preparation, right? And if you follow this method, you can make Asian barbecue pork chops. So, right? Method, we use it all the time. Uh, in IT, we have a simple two-step method. It fixes just about any problems you could have. Ian knows what I'm talking about, right? It's reboot. And then panic. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people get that one mixed up. So you got to reboot first, then panic. Uh, we use methods for budgeting, car maintenance, changing a diaper, teaching, you name it. Right? We have ways of doing these things. Uh, but not just for practical life methods. In fact, I thought of a method that every single Christian I know of uses, and you probably don't even realize it. Okay? It's so ingrained in our Christian culture. Um, I'll give you a hint. Put them up on the board. Titus 2.6, Hebrews 13.7, and James 1.12 depict this perfectly. Anybody know what it is? I'll give you one more hint. We don't need the verses to know. It's the chapters and verses, right? Those weren't in the original writings. 
That was a method that was applied to the scriptures for memorization and for locating specific passages for study, right? But it's so effective that it's applied to every, almost every Bible. You'd have to go out of your way to find a Bible that doesn't have this method applied to it. So you're already using that. All right, so we use methods. But what about God? What about the Old Testament? Genesis chapter 6, verse 14 through 16, God gives a specific method for Noah to build the ark, right? He gives them a set of instructions on how he wants it done exactly. And we see later in Exodus chapter 25, uh, 10 through 22, specific instructions for the Ark of the Covenant, right? How he wants it built and how he wants it handled. In fact, the whole Old Testament sacrificial law was a method for the atonement of sins for Israel, right? So clearly in the Old Testament, we have methods, but what about the New Testament? In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 11, one of Jesus' disciples asked uh, Jesus to teach them how to pray, right? And when, he said, and when he asked them that, he, says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And you might be used to the longer version in Matthew 6, but the point is, they said, Jesus, show us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave them a framework, a structure, something to start with, right? So they could start praying immediately, like John's disciples. What about Jesus' teaching? In Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables, and he would not speak anything to them without using a parable. And what is a parable? It's a way of presenting something, right? It's a method. Okay, so there's methods in the Old Testament, methods in the New Testament. Should we use methods in our Christian life today? Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Right? So we're supposed to be doers of the word. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Then he, the he is Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. So if we look at just those two, if Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and we're supposed to be doers of the word and not hearers only, and a method is a way of doing or presenting something, often using specific techniques and steps of action, then should we use methods in our Christian life? Yes. It's right there. <laughs> yes, right? Methods to resolve conflicts with others, raise godly children, to study your Bible, overcome addictions, and of course, for our primary mission, to share the gospel. And I said the biggest thing that I wanted to share with you today was a method that anyone can use to share the gospel. And the method is called the way of the master. Um, I didn't come up with this method, okay? This is, uh, this is a method that was created by a ministry called Living Waters. Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron and many other ministers have put this together. It's a 12-week series, right, that teaches you how to share your faith, how to overcome fear. Um, and in the way of the master, Jesus is the master, right? This is the way of Jesus. So they put this together based on biblical principles and observing how Jesus approached people in the scriptures. So I want to walk you through it. Where's my volunteer? My volunteer. Joy's going to help me here. Okay. So, take this off. Go back. Perfect. Thank you. All right. So, I'm going to walk you through it first, and then we're going to look at what we did. So, first is the approach, right? And the approach can vary depending on who the person is, how much time you have, where you're at. Um, but there's several different approaches, and you can come up with these up front, like first. You can come straight up and just ask somebody, hey, how you doing? My name's Jeremy. Joy. Hi, Joy. Um, do you know God? Do you believe God is real? I believe some 
the sword of God exists. Okay, so that's one approach. I could just come straight out and say, hey, do you believe in God? Um, I could say, hey, do you believe in heaven and hell? Or do, what do you think happens when you die, right? It's an interesting question that people like to answer. Uh, one of my favorites is simply, um, hey, how's your faith lately? This one's really generic, right? It's really generic. If somebody doesn't have faith, they'll just tell you, oh, I don't, I don't believe in that. Okay? And if somebody does, they'll say, oh, I, you know, I, I believe in this or that, or I believe in Jesus, or whatever. They'll, they'll kind of let you know where they're at. Um, occasionally, I'll ask somebody, hey, how's your faith lately? And they'll say, well, I don't want to talk about it. Now, if somebody says, I don't want to talk about it, I have a recommendation. Simply ask them, why don't you want to talk about it? And see if they don't say, oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> they would love to tell you all about why they don't want to talk about it. That's in my experience, for sure. And, and listen, because oftentimes they've come across Christian hypocrites or they've come across questions that, they, uh, that haven't been um, answered for them or they've heard uh, incorrect or incomplete information about the gospel or about the scriptures or about Jesus. Okay? So listen to them. Like, they'll tell you why they don't want to talk about it, and then you can talk about the, you know, that. That's a good, it's a good approach. So I might say, okay, Joy, so, um, so do you believe in God? And you said... Okay, so then do you, you believe in some sort of God? Do you believe in heaven and hell? Yes. Okay, so what do you think you have to do to go to heaven? Pretty much you just be a good person. Okay, so you've got to be a good person. I'm going to pause my person for a minute. That's why I invited her up here, so I could pause her occasionally. <laughs> That's a good, that was a good pause. So, now, when I ask that question, do you believe in God, we get a lot of different answers. The most common is, I believe in some kind of God. That is the most common that we get, at least around here, Okay. Um, you might get, I don't, I don't think I believe in God. And there are, good, there are good ways to approach that subject with someone and talk about you know, proof that God exists. Or I can simply say, okay, well, if, if God existed, right? And if there wasn't heaven and hell, what do you think you'd have to do to go to heaven? And then just and follow along, okay? But she said she believes in some kind of God, some kind of heaven and hell. And I said, what do you have to do to go to heaven? And she said, pretty much you have to be a good person, all right? Is that true? Are you sure? <laughs> what if it was true? You just have to be a good person to go to heaven. Next question. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? That's an interesting question, right? If good people go to heaven, would you consider yourself to be a good person? Yes. And most people will give that exact answer. Right? Most people will proclaim their own goodness. They will say, yes, I think I'm a pretty good person. Right? I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm a pretty good person. And I would say, okay, do you mind if I ask you a few questions to see if that's true? Sure. Pause. This is also an interesting point because <laughs> when you ask that, people are like, yes. <laughs> They're not sure what you're going to ask next, but I've never met anybody that goes, nope. Because <laughs> that would be awkward, right? Hey, I'm a good person. Can I ask you a few questions? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, everybody's like, I guess I have to now. I said I was a good person. So, <laughs> so, so they would say, sure, ask me a few questions. And I would say, okay. How many lies have you ever told in your whole life? A lot. A lot of lies? Okay. What do you call it if you tell lies, Joy? A liar. So then you'd be a? Liar. Okay. Have you ever stolen anything in your whole life? When I was little. Okay. So what do you call if you steal things? A thief. Okay. That's good. Now, pause right here. Every now and then somebody will say, oh, I've never stolen anything. And, and we might kind of look at them and say, well, you did just tell me you were a liar. So <laughs> are, you, are, you sure you're, are you sure you're telling me the truth? And, uh, and they might go, okay, yes, I've taken things from work that don't belong to me. I have stolen things before. And, and so then if you've stolen things, then you'd be a thief. Okay. Um, 
Now, Joy, have you ever used God's name in vain? That's using uh, the name of Jesus or God as a cuss word to express disgust or anything like that. Have you ever done that? No. <laughs> Better not have. <laughs> now, now, this one, this one varies because some people have and some people haven't, okay? So if they have, then they would say yes, you know, and we would say, okay, well, we call that blaspheming God's name, and they say yeah, and they usually know that that's, that that's what it is. Um, if they say no, that's fine. We can say, okay, well, have you ever committed adultery? No. <laughs> that's good. Um, and this one also varies, right? Some people have and some people haven't. Some people have and wouldn't tell you. Um, and so I would say... Um, Okay, so you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery, but did you know that Jesus said that if you even lust after a person in your heart, that's, that you're committing adultery already with them in your heart. So lust is considered adultery in Jesus' eyes. So have you ever lusted? And we would present this question in, in return to them and say, you know, have you ever lusted? This includes things like pornography. And the answer is typically... Yes. Yes, yep. And so we say, okay, God considers that to be adultery of the heart. Um, and then we say, have you ever murdered anyone? That's good, because it's just you and I over here. But <laughs> First John says that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. So God's standard is so high that he says, even if you hate it in your heart, it's considered murder in your heart. Right? So then I would say, Joy, by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer at heart. So if God was to judge you based on these commands, these are, these are it's only four or five, however many you've gone through, of God's commands, right? Would you, if, I was to, if God was to judge you based on that, would you be innocent or guilty? I would be guilty. Okay. If Joy's being honest, she would have to admit, like, she's, she'd be guilty, right? She just told us herself that she would be guilty of those things. Um, so at, at this point, I would say, okay, does that, or, um, so then would you go to heaven or hell? I would go to hell. Okay. If Joy's being honest, that's the point that she would get to. She would say, oh, well, if God gave me what I deserved, right? The scriptures say that it is appointed once for people to die and then judgment. Right? That God's going to judge the world in righteousness through his son Jesus. And so I would say, you know, we could get that answer, or we might get the answer of, um, well, I don't know if uh, I would go to hell because, and this is usually put in the form of a question, but isn't God a loving and a forgiving God? Right? And what are they doing? They're reaching out for hope right now because we just put them in front of God's mirror. Right? We stand in front of the mirror and we have our own our own judgment, our own standard. And we look pretty good by our own standard. But when we look at God's standard, we don't look so good, do we? And so we just put her there. Now she's going, yeah, but okay, but God is a loving and a forgiving God, right? And to which I would say, yeah, he is a loving and a forgiving God, but he's also just. The same Bible that calls God loving and forgiving also says that he's just, right? And that he is appointed to judge the world in righteousness and that no, no liar, no thief will enter the kingdom of heaven, Right? And she might say, well, I was kind of hoping because he's a good and loving God that he would let me go. I mean, imagine that in a courtroom. I might take her into a courtroom and say, if you were in a courtroom, Joy, and you were standing in front of the judge and you said, oh, yeah, all the evidence is against me. It's true. I am, I am definitely guilty. Um, but, judge, I know that you're a loving man, and I know that you're a forgiving man, and I was kind of just hoping you would let me go. Should the judge let her go? Should the judge let you go? Right? <laughs> you might be hoping, but you know he shouldn't. That's, a, that's what a corrupt judge does, right? When we watch the news and we see somebody let, let's let go that's guilty, we say that's a corrupt judge. And God is not a corrupt judge. He is a good and holy and righteous judge. He will see that justice is served, right? A good judge would. And so, um, so I would say, okay, Joy, so we've reached a point now. And she might say, well, okay, another objection, because I still have her paused. 
you know, these great objections, where she says, well, I don't know about the standard, though. I don't know if I believe in, the, in that, that standard, you know, the, that lying's always bad, that, that you know, stealing's bad, and all that. And I might say, okay, Joy, a little bit. Um, do you have a conscience? Yes. Yeah? What does your conscience do? Do you ever listen to it? Um, yes. Yeah? What does it, what does it do? Guilty about what? What I've done wrong. Okay. I don't know if all of you have thought about this, but you have a conscience, right? Isn't it interesting that your conscience only talks to you about morality, about right and wrong? In fact, the word conscience comes from two words, con, which means with, and science, which means knowledge. That when we sin, we do it with the knowledge of right and wrong. That God has put a conscience in us so that when I talk about the law of God, it bears witness inside the other person. Their conscience says that that is true, that they have done wrong right? When they look at God's standard. And so I would appeal to Joy's conscience and say, you have a conscience built into you, right? That tells you when you do right and wrong, you know it's wrong to lie. You know it's wrong to steal. You know it's wrong to hate and to lust, right? But you do it anyways. Isn't that true? Yes. yes. So I'd say, so if God was to judge you, you'd be guilty. You'd be going to hell. Does it concern you, Joy, that if you died today and God gave you justice, that you would be going to hell and not heaven? Yes. Okay. Pause. This is what we're going for, actually, right? Joy is now humbled before God, right? Because she has been matched up to his law. And the scriptures say that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? We're preparing her heart for grace so that she can receive the good news, right? Now the good news makes sense, doesn't it? If I say, hey, you know there's good news? You think she's going to be relieved to hear that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I say, did you know what God did for you, Joy, so that you don't have to go to hell? God became a man in Jesus, came and lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross taking your sin and my sin, everyone's sin upon himself, right? God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross for our sins, right? And then he rose from the dead, proving that he conquered sin and death and hell, and that God's wrath was satisfied on the cross, right? And then now he offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who turn, right, who repent and put their faith in Jesus, so do you know what repent means? It means to change your thinking and your actions. It means to, to um, your thinking and actions are towards sin and now it's towards God, right? You're going to repent. You're going to turn around and you're going to think towards God and you're going to act towards God. And then you're going to put your faith in Jesus to save you on judgment day, right? Not your own goodness because you don't have your own goodness. So then I, then I would say, Joy, isn't that good news? So when are you going to do that? When are you going to repent and put your faith in Jesus? Today, right now. Yep. I hope that's true. Uh, can I pray with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, and you might pray with them, or I'm going to pause her for a second here, and we'll, we'll play it a little bit harder. She might say, ah, I still don't know. I'm not sure. Or, you know, I really have to go, or whatever happens after that, right? We don't produce. We plant, we water, right? But God produces. So I might say, hey, do you have any other questions? Or is there anything else? What is keep- I might even say, what is keeping you from turning to God today? And she might tell me. Or she might just want to go. And I'd say, you know what, Joy? Thank you for listening to me today. Hopefully you'll think about this. Do you have a Bible at home? Why don't you pick it up and read it? Right? And I might just encourage her to think about it and say thank you for your time. Or she might be ready right then and there because she's, con- she's been confronted by God. All right? Joy, thank you. <laughs> All right, so you might be thinking, okay, Jeremy, you said all that, but what is the method? Well, I've got the points up here, or I will. 
There we go. So uh, these aren't the exact points from the Way of the Master. As I said from the beginning, this is a 12-week training series, okay, with lots of acronyms and things to help you remember. Um, I condensed it because we're doing this in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. So, but this is the, this is the gist of it. Um, the first step that we do is we share the bad news before the good news, right? We use the law to convict a person. It's called Hell's Best Kept Secret um, in, the, in the method, and that is using the law to convince a person that they are a sinner, that they're not right before God, that they're not a good person. In fact, in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 19 through 20, it says, no one will be declared righteous in God's eyes by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin, Right? So the, the purpose of the law is to become conscious of sin. It's basically like this. We use the law to break a sinner's hard heart, and then we use the gospel to heal their broken heart. All right, next step is we let people judge themselves to avoid offense, right? I don't judge them. I didn't judge Joy. She judged Joy, right? I mean, could you imagine if I walk up to somebody without going through that and said, hey, sir, did you know that you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, murderous, adulterer at heart, and God's going to judge you? I mean... Those things might actually be true, but he doesn't know where I'm coming. I'm judging him. No. When we ask them, we ask them, hey, how, how many times have you lied? What do you call it if you tell a lie? Right? We walk them through it, and we let them judge themselves as they match up to God's law. And this avoids them being offended, and it does. I don't think I've ever had anybody offended as we walk through this with them because they'd have to be offended at themselves. Um, number three, we avoid denial by switching to the hypothetical. So I mentioned at the beginning of that that she might say, I don't believe in God. And we might talk about the creation or the conscience or things that we can discuss when it comes to proof of God's existence, or we can switch to the hypothetical, right, and say, well, if, if God exists, and if there's a heaven and hell, right, what do you think you'd have to do to go to heaven? And people will walk right through this, even to the convicting point, because the truth is, I believe most people who say they don't believe in God actually do believe in some sort of God. We also avoid debate by activating their conscience. So it's really easy to start debating subjects like evolution or any questions that they bring up. And certainly we can, we can learn really good answers to those questions. There are good ones. And there's ones that you can talk about in a short amount of time, but they're also points of argument. And sometimes it's really easy to get in an argument or a debate with somebody when you're talking about these things. So we can say, you know, those are good questions. And I'd love to sit down with you and maybe talk about those sometime. But let me ask you this. Do you have a conscience? Right? And we can talk about their conscience, the built-in agent that God has put in them that testifies what we're saying is true. And then we ask them to admit their guilt and the verdict. Um, we do this, like we said, to, um, uh, to promote humbleness, right? It humbles them before God to say, yeah, I, if I'm being honest, I would be guilty before God. And if he was to judge me, I wouldn't be going to heaven. I would be going to hell if God judged me righteously. And then we share the gospel, the basic gospel, right? Because God loves you, he sent Jesus to die for you, right? Your sins were on him on the cross. God rose, uh, raised him from the dead, right? Proving that he conquered sin and death and hell. And now he offers forgiveness and eternal life for those who trust in him. And we can share that. And that is good news at that point because they're looking for hope because it looks pretty hopeless. And they might even say, well, yeah, but is, doesn't everybody fall in that same category? And you know, now you're getting it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everybody falls in that category, right? No one is good, not even one. So our response is to repent and believe. Where do we get that? Several places, but um, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And that is good news. Now I'm going to put the... Um, I'm going to put up on the board the, uh, the method 
the links for the method. You got it. There you go. For Living Waters and Biblical Evangelism um, to take a look at those. And I know, look, I know that sharing the gospel can look a lot like that 32-digit number that we started with at the beginning, right? Um, I hope that you can see that like that number, applying a method like the way of the master can make sharing the gospel much less scary and much more possible for you. Okay, and if you're here today and you heard that for the first time and you were walking through that in your mind as, we, as I was asking Joy the questions on stage and you were thinking, yeah, if, if I died today and God was to give me justice, I also would be guilty and I would be going to hell. Then don't wait. Repent and believe today. Talk to a Christian here. Talk to somebody and, uh, and pray with them, right? And then read your Bible. You need discipleship intentionally. <laughs> you guys remember that? Intentional discipleship? That was earlier. Yeah, intentionally disciple to be walked through things. So um, get with somebody if that was the first time that you heard that today. And um, if you haven't, uh, or if, you, if, if you're looking to share your faith, this is a great way to do it, okay? The, and the, the whole series covers a lot more than this, all right? So it covers more about fear. It takes you through baby steps on walking through the gospel uh, with another person, with anyone else, actually. So I want to end with these good news, with these uh, good words from God's word, Hebrews 9, chapter 27 through 28. And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now go and get equipped to share it, because that is good news.